Chapter Twenty One of The Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Dear me, said Doctor Drummond. Dear me. Well, and what does Edvina Murchison say to all this? He and Hugh Finley were sitting in the doctor's study, the pleasantest room in the house. It was lined with standard religious philosophy standard poets standard fiction all that was standard and nothing that was not and the shelves included several volumes of the doctor's own sermons published in black morocco through a local firm that did business by the subscription method with drummond in gold letters on the back there were more copies of these perhaps than it would be quite thoughtful to count though a good many were annually disposed of at the church bazaar where the doctor presented them with a generous hand a sumptuous desk and luxurious leather-covered armchairs furnished the room a beautiful little parian copy of a famous cupid and psyche decorated the mantelpiece and betrayed the touch of pagan in the presbyterian a bright fire burned in the grate and there was not a speck of dust anywhere dr drummond lost in his chair with one knee dropped on the other joined his fingers at the tips and drew his forehead into a web of wrinkles over it his militant gray crest curled up under it his eyes darted two shrewd points of interrogation what does miss murchison say to it he repeated with craft and courage as finley's eyes dropped and his face slowly flushed under the question it was in this room that dr drummond examined intending communicants and cases likely to come before the session he never shirked a leading question miss murchison said finley after a moment was good enough to say that she thought her father's house would be open to miss to my friends when they arrived but i thought it would be more suitable to ask your hospitality sir did she so asked dr drummond gravely it was more a comment than an inquiry did she so infinite kindness was in it the young man assented with an awkward gesture half bend half nod and neither for a moment spoke again it was one of those silences with a character conscious tentative half-veiled disavowed thoughts rose up in it awakened by edvina's name turning away their heads the ticking of the doctor's old-fashioned watch came through it from his waistcoat pocket it was he who spoke first i christened edvina murchison he said her father was one of those who called me as a young man to this ministry the names of both her parents are on my first communion roll ay the fire snapped and the watch went on ticking so edvina thought well of it all did she so the young man raised his heavy eyes and looked unflinchingly at dr drummond miss murchison he said is the only other person to whom i have confided the matter i have written fixing that date with her approval at her desire not immediately i took time to think it over 
then it seemed better to arrange for the lady's reception first so before posting i have come to you then the letter has not gone it is in my pocket finley you will have a cigar i don't smoke myself my throat won't stand it but i understand these are passable grant left them here he's a chimney that man grant at it day and night this was a sacrifice dr drummond hated tobacco the smell of it the ash of it the time consumed in it there was no need at all to offer finley one of the reverend grant's cigars propitiation must indeed be desired when the incense is abhorred but finley declined to smoke the doctor with his hands buried deep in his trousers pockets where something metallic clinked in them began to pace and turn his mouth had the set it wore when he handled a difficult motion in the general assembly i'm surprised to hear that finley though it may be well not to be surprised at what a woman will say or won't say surprised said the younger man confusedly why should anyone be surprised i know her well i've watched her grow up i remember her mother's trouble because she would scratch the paint on the pew in front of her with the nails in her little boots john murchison sang in the choir in those days he had a fine bass voice he has it still and mrs murchison had to keep the family in order by herself it was sometimes as much as she could do poor woman they sat near the front and many a good hard look i used to give them while i was preaching knox church was a different place then the choir sat in the back gallery and we had a precentor a fine fellow he lost an arm at ridgeway in the fenian raid well i mind him and the frown he would put on when he took up the fork but for that matter every man jack in the choir had a frown on in the singing though the bass fellows would be the fiercest we've been twice enlarged since and the organist has long been a salaried professional but i doubt whether the praise of god is any heartier than it was when it followed peter craig's tuning fork ay you'd always hear john murchison's note in the finish finley was listening with the look of a charmed animal dr drummond's voice was never more vibrant more moving more compelling than when he called up the past and here to finley the past was itself enchanted she always had those wonderful dark eyes she's pale enough now but as a child she was rosy taking her place of a winter evening with the snow on her fur cap and her hair i often thought her a picture i liked to have her attention while i was preaching even as a child and when she was absent i missed her it was through my ministrations that she saw her way to professing the church of christ and under my heartfelt benediction that she first broke bread in her father's house i hold the girl in great affection finley and i grieve to hear this the other drew a long breath and his hand tightened on the arm of his chair he was as we know blind to many of the world's aspects even to those in which he himself figured and dr drummond's plain hypothesis of his relations with edwina 
came before him in forced illumination flash by tragic flash this kind of revelation is more discomforting than darkness since it carries the surprise of assault and finlay groped in it helpless and silent you are grieved sir he said mechanically man she loves you exclaimed the doctor in a tone that would no longer forbear hugh finlay seemed to take the words just where they were levelled in his breast he half leaped from his chair the lower part of his face had the rigidity of iron i am not obliged to discuss such a matter as that he said hoarsely with you or with any man he looked confusedly about him for his hat which he had left in the hall and dr drummond profited by the instant he stepped across and laid a hand on the younger man's shoulder had they both been standing the gesture would have been impossible to dr drummond with dignity as it was it had not only that but benignance a kind of tender good-will rare in expression with the minister rare for that matter in feeling with him too though the chord was always there to be sounded finlay he said finlay between two such temperaments the touch and the tone together made an extraordinary demonstration finlay with an obvious effort let it lie upon him the tension of his body relaxed that of his soul he covered leaning forward and burying his head in his hands will you say i have no claim to speak asked dr drummond and met silence it is upon my lips to beg you not to send that letter finlay he took his hand from the young man's shoulder inserted a thumb in each of his waistcoat pockets and resumed his walk on my own account i must send it said finlay on miss murchison's she bids me to we have gone into the matter together i can imagine what you made of it together there's a good deal of her father in edvina he would be the last man to say a word for himself you told her this tale you have told me and she told you to get miss christie out and marry her without delay eh? and what would you expect her to tell you a girl of that spirit i cannot see why pride should influence her then you know little about women it was pride pure and simple finlay that made her tell you that and she'll be a sorry woman if you act on it no said finlay suddenly looking up i may know little about women but i know more about edvina murchison than that she advised me in the sense she thought right and honourable and her advice was sincere and dr drummond deeply as i feel the bearing of miss murchison's view of the matter i could not in any case allow my decision to rest upon it it must stand by itself you mean that your decision to marry to oblige your aunt should not be influenced by the fact that it means the wrecking of your own happiness and that of another person i can't agree finlay i spoke first of edvina murchison because her part and lot in it are most upon my heart i feel too that some one should put her case her own father would never open his lips 
if you're to be hauled over the coals about this i'm the only man to do it and i'm going to a look of sharp determination came into the minister's eyes he had the momentary air of a small scotch terrier with a bidding finlay looked at him in startled recognition of another possible phase of his dilemma he thought he knew it in every wretched aspect it was a bold reference of dr drummond's it threw down the last possibility of withdrawal for finlay they must have it out now man to man with a little perhaps even in that unlikely place of penitent to confessor it was an exigency it helped finlay to pull himself together and there was something in his voice when he spoke like the vibration of relief i am pained and distressed more than i have any way of telling you sir he said that the state of feeling between miss murchison and myself should have been so plain to you it is incomprehensible to me that it should be so since it is only very lately that i have understood it truly myself i hope you will believe that it was the strangest most unexpected most sudden revelation he paused and looked timidly at the doctor he the great fellow in straining bondage to his heart leaning forward with embarrassed tension in every muscle dr drummond alert poised critical balancing his little figure on the hearthrug i preach faith in miracles he said i dare say between you and her it would be just that i have been deeply culpable common sense common knowledge of men and women should have warned me that there might be danger but i looked upon the matter as our own as between us only i confess that i have not till now thought of that part of it but surely you cannot mean to tell me that what i have always supposed my sincere and devoted friendship for miss murchison has been in any way prejudicial to her in the ordinary sense to her prospects of marriage and her standing in the eyes of the community no finlay no i have not heard the matter much referred to you seem to have taken none of the ordinary means you have not distinguished her in the eyes of gossip if you had it would be by no means the gravest thing to consider such tokens are quickly forgotten especially here where attentions of the kind often i've noticed lead to nothing it is the fact and not the appearance of it that i speak of that i am concerned with the fact is beyond mending said finlay dully ay the fact is beyond mending it is beyond mending that edvina murchison belongs to you and you to her in no common sense it's beyond mending that you cannot now be separated without such injury to you both as i would not like to look upon it's beyond mending finlay because it is one of those things that god has made but it is not beyond marring and i charge you to look well what you are about in connection with it a flash of happiness of simple delight lit the young man's sombre eyes as the phrases fell to the minister they were mere forcible words to finlay they were soft rain in a famished land 
then he looked again heavily at the pattern of the carpet would you have me marry edvina murchison he said with a kind of shamed yielding to the words i would and no other man i saw it from the beginning exclaimed the doctor i don't say it isn't an awkward business but at least there'll be no heartbreak in scotland i gather you never said a word to the broth lady on the subject and very few on any other you tell me you left it all with that good woman your aunt to arrange after you left do you think a creature of any sentiment would have accepted you on those terms not she so far as i can make out miss cameron is just a sensible wise woman that would be the first to see the folly in this business if she knew the rights of it come finlay you're not such a great man with the ladies you can't pretend she has any affection for you the note of raillery in the doctor's voice drew finlay's brows together i don't know he said whether i have to think of her affections but i do know i have to think of her dignity her confidence and her belief in the honourable dealing of a man whom she met under the sanction of a trusted roof the matter may look light here it is serious there she has her circle of friends they are acquainted with her engagement she has made all her arrangements to carry it out she has disposed of her life i cannot ask her to reconsider her lot because i have found a happier adjustment for mine finlay said dr drummond you will not be known in brass or anywhere else as a man who has jilted a woman is that it i will not be a man who has jilted a woman there is no sophist like pride look at the case on its merits on the one side a disappointment for miss cameron i don't doubt she's counting on coming but at worst a worldly disappointment and the very grievous humiliation for you of writing to tell her that you have made a mistake you deserve that finlay if you wouldn't be a man who has jilted a woman you have no business to lend yourself to such matters with the capacity of a blind kitten that is the damage on the one side on the other i know all that there is to be said interrupted finlay on the other then face it man go home and write the whole truth to brass i'll do it for you no i won't neither stand up to it yourself you must hurt one of two women choose the one that will suffer only in her vanity i tell you that scotch entanglement of yours is pure cardboard farce it won't stand examination it's appalling to think that out of an extravagant hypersensitive conception of honour egged on by that poor girl you could be capable of turning it into the reality of your life i've taken all these points of view sir and i can't throw the woman over the objection to it isn't in reason it's somehow in the past and the blood it would mean the sacrifice of all that i hold most valuable in myself i should expect myself after that to stick at nothing why should i there is one point of view that perhaps you have not taken said dr drummond in his gravest manner 
you are settled here in your charge in all human probability you will remain here in east elgin as i have remained here building and fortifying the place you have won for the lord in the hearts of the people advina murchison's life will also go on here there is nothing to take it away you have both strong natures are you prepared for that we are both prepared for it we shall both be equal to it i count upon her and she counts upon me to furnish in our friendship the greater part of whatever happiness life may have in store for us then you must be a pair of born lunatics said dr drummond his jaw grim his eyes snapping what you propose is little less than a crime finley it can come to nothing but grief if no worse and your wife poor woman whatever she deserves it is better than that my word if she could choose her prospect think you she would hesitate finley i entreat you as a matter of ordinary prudence go home and break it off leave edvina out of it you have no business to make this marriage whether or no leave other considerations to god and to the future i beseech you bring it to an end finley got up and held out his hand i tell you from my heart it is impossible he said i can't move you said dr drummond then let us see if the lord can you will not object finley to bring the matter before him here and now in a few words of prayer i should find it hard to let you go without them they went down upon their knees where they stood and dr drummond did little less than order divine interference but the prayer that was inaudible was to the opposite purpose ten minutes later the minister himself opened the door to let finley out into the night you will remember he said as they shook hands that what i think of your position in this matter makes no difference whatever to the question of your aunt's coming here with miss cameron when they arrive you will bring them to this house as a matter of course i wish you could be guided to a different conclusion but after all it is your own conscience that must be satisfied they will be better here than at the murchison's he added with a last shaft of reproach and they will be very welcome it said much for dr drummond that finley was able to fall in with the arrangement he went back to his boarding-house and added a postscript embodying it to his letter to bross then he walked out upon the midnight two feverish miles to the town and posted the letter the way back was longer and colder End of chapter twenty one